this pledge came about as people were sitting around <clears throat> talking about the political correctness. And so, <clears throat> as the one gentleman said, well, you know the pledge goes, I pledge allegiance. And the other man said, yeah, well, you know, pledge is kind of a strong word. Let's just say commitment. Let's just change it to commitment. Uh, another, another few minutes later, the guy said, well, allegiance sounds a little strong. How about a positive feeling? Let's just call it a positive feeling. He says, okay, well, let's change it to a positive feeling. And he said, well, you know, it also says I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. He said, well, not everybody likes a, 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 the United States, so let's just uh, call it uh, the flag of my choice. A few minutes later, he says, well, it also says into the Republic. He said, well, there are other countries in the world and other groups of people that may not like the Republic. They may like uh, communism or they may like having a king. So <clears throat> let's just change that to political architect for which it stands. Um, and he said, well, what, what about the word stand? The word stand is not a good word. He said, let's change that to for which is in vogue. And he says, well, what about the part about one nation? He says, well, I, I don't know if I like that because, you know, not everyone might think that the one nation is America. They might think that other nations are just as good as America. So let's not even, let's not even call it that. Let's change that. He said, but what about under God? He says, under God? No, we can't, we can't use that one at all. What about liberty? He says, well, let's just change the words liberty to the freedom to do what we feel like doing. And he says, well, what about uh, justice for all? He says, let's change that for, to tolerance. He said, okay, I think we've got it now. So here was the pledge that they finally delivered to their group of people that were waiting for the new pledge. I agree at this moment to have a positive feeling for the flag of my choice in America and to the present state of the political architect for which it is in vogue. One of the many nations under the possibility that there might be a God with freedom to do whatever feels right and tolerance for all. Now y'all notice that was not really the best pledge that we could have. In fact, our pledge is the best pledge. The pledge that we have. If you have your Bibles in Proverbs, the 22nd chapter and the 28th verse, it says, Do not remove ancient boundaries, stones, which were put in place by your ancestors. In another version it says, Do not move the boundaries which your fathers have set. Father, we ask you to help us as we celebrate, Lord, the wonderful freedoms that we have in America. And the greatest freedom of all, the freedom to gather together and worship you. We ask, Lord, that we will have a renewed commitment to the boundaries that you have set, the boundaries that our fathers have set, in Jesus' name. You know, in America we have the privilege to disagree. We have the privilege to not do certain things, to not even do anything if we want to, even though that may not be the best choices. But we have that right. 
some people have chosen this morning not to go anywhere to church. They've just chosen to sit at home and do nothing. Some people have chosen to go and, and, and worship God in their boat cathedral today. And they're on the lake in the, uh, in the private sanctuaries. Milledgeville is becoming a place where people are gathering and coming to because of this lake. This lake is something that is drawing many, many people to it. And we have that freedom and right. And it's wonderful that we have that freedom. In some countries, they don't even have that freedom. Do you know I read that in Zambia, right now today, there are probably thousands of children trying to just survive the malaria attacks that their bodies are being racked with. We have freedom in America, even freedom to be well. Thank God that we're able to be well in America. But it says here in the scriptures not to remove the ancient landmarks, the ancient boundaries. You know, one of the things that happens when children begin to stretch their wings is that they want to be different. They want to wear different clothes, they want to act different, they want to look different. And they want things to be different. How many of you have seen the uh, show uh, where Andy Griffin and uh, his wife, Hel well, his girlfriend Helen, I always didn't like that. That was the one part I didn't like. I wanted them to get married. Amen? How many finally saw the show where they got married? Huh? Nobody? Well, it's a good show. Y'all go ahead and rent it. Uh, but there was, a, there was a, a particular show where she was in charge of the youth group at the school and they were doing the modern dances and the principal said, no way. Just no way. It's not going to happen. And so the only way she could convince him that there was really nothing wrong with it is to go back and show him the dances of his day. And when, she, when he saw his own dances and the, you know, the flappers and all that, he kind of then understood, well, you know, we were a little rowdy when we were young and we did stretch the limits, so I don't see so much wrong with this. <clears throat> and so, he came to agree that it was okay to do it. It's okay for young people to want to stretch, but it's not okay for us to move the boundaries. For us to move things that have been set there in stone. I don't know if you've ever been to Boston. Uh, I've been to Boston and Plymouth Rock you can go there and see Plymouth Rock, where the pilgrims supposedly set foot in America. <clears throat> the problem is that stone's been moved a few times. It's not in the same place that the pilgrims supposedly set. In fact, when I walked up to it, I was wondering, how in the world did the pilgrims put their foot here when the water is about two miles down yonder? <laughs> Somebody moved the rock. We can't move the things that are important, the things that have been set by our families and our, fa and our forefathers. One of the things that we cannot move is liberty and sacrifice. Now sometimes when we think of liberty, we think of liberty as being able to do whatever you want. But you know what? Anytime that you do whatever you want, you have to think about what is the sacrifice that is involved in that. What must be required to maintain that? In fact, the ability to do whatever you want is not something that is free. It costs something. This room doesn't have anybody in it that has given their life for liberty. 
But we do know of people who have given their life for liberty. If you go to the cemeteries and you look at some of the men and the women that died at 17 and 18 and 19 and 20 years old, just try to imagine what would have happened had your life ended at 19 years old. Those people gave a sacrifice so that we could have liberty. That liberty doesn't give us the right to do whatever we want. It gives us the rights to seek for God and to find what, what true liberty is. And that true liberty is the kind of liberty that brings blessings to the world, not curses. That we do whatever it is in America as a citizen to be responsible. The church for many, many years has pulled itself away from government to the point that even now it's very hard to find people that will even admit in the local areas that there are Christians. And if you find somebody that is a Christian, he won't necessarily be wanting to tell you that he's a Christian. He might maybe say it a little bit under his breath, but he won't be out loud about it because we've come to this place in the year 2007 where people are almost ashamed to say that they're a Christian. Our forefathers were not ashamed of that. If they were a believer and if they were a Christian, they told you so. Peter Marshall, who was the chaplain of the Senate, said these words, Lord Jesus... You are the only way, the truth, and the life. When we pray, help us, Lord, to be free in truth. And teach us that liberty is not only to be loved, but it is to be lived every day. Liberty is too precious to just be read about in books. It costs too much to be hoarded up. Help us see that our liberty is the kind of liberty that pleases you, not pleases us. When we have a landmark of liberty, and this country is a free country, it has a lot of liberty and freedom. But it is unfortunate that that liberty has gone without sacrifice sometimes. I've read about the times when uh, America was going to, through the Depression and people were without jobs. They started things like the American Corps. And in the America Corps, they would just take young men and young women that did not have jobs and they'd give them jobs in the summers. And, and what they would be doing is working in the uh, Forestry Commission or working on the roads or cleaning up the, 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 uh, the communities. And they paid them to make America a better place. Nowadays, we call it community service and you have to commit a crime to get it. We should want to be the kind of people that make our world a better place because we're grateful for the liberty and we're willing to give some sacrifice to it. Another thing that we cannot remove is capitalism and conscience. You know, America has capitalism. But capitalism without a conscience is mean and cruel. It'll step on you and it'll destroy you and it'll destroy anybody that comes in contact with it. Because capitalism without a conscience is always wanting to get ahead no matter who it hurts in the process. We need a conscience in everything we do. 
You can't just have a business and want it to succeed without realizing that there are people that work for that company. That there are people there that are out there in, in competition with that company. And so you have to have a conscience. A few um, years ago, WorldCom was a company that had failed to report $4 billion in, in expenses. And essentially, WorldCom had claimed that it had a profit when it had actually had a loss. And it took the loss of 20,000 jobs before that finally came to the attention of everybody in the business world. And then we had to have uh, an investigation where the president even appointed people to investigate to find out what was going on. And they finally found out that this company had made a serious error and almost went bankrupt in the process, costing thousands of jobs, hurting thousands of people. But that started because that company was involved in capitalism, but was not involved in conscience. I remember that when it took place, one of uh, my friends who was in uh, Bible college had to drop out. Because she had been an accountant for this company for years, and they had to let thousands of people go. She was one of them that had to be let go. Because that company could no longer pay its employees. Because it had been involved in capitalism with no conscience. We need to pursue our goals and dreams, but not at the point of hurting anyone else. Not at the point of stepping on other people. We need to believe that God is able to make us successful and that He doesn't bring any burdens with it. That when He makes us successful, He actually helps us to bring and bless other people in the process. Another uh, landmark that should not be removed is the religious freedom and commitment. We live in a time when people talk about religion, they talk about religious freedom, but they have very little commitment to it. When I was a young person, and maybe it was just in the circle that I was in, but when I was a young person, a lot of people went to church in the circle I was in. It wasn't something that people would wake up and, not, and wonder what they were going to do. We, we went to church. But I began to notice that there were neighbors that didn't do that. And as I lived longer, I began to notice that it became a pattern with people. That people just, you know, they looked at religious freedom as a freedom of religion to do nothing about religion. And to have no religion at all. In fact, Everyone in this place has heard somebody say, well, I can worship God out in the woods. I can worship God out, out at my, uh, my uh, uh, hunting lodge. Or I can worship God when I'm on the lake. Uh, you know what? I, I want to be driving on the lake one day and see somebody uh, standing on their boat uh, worshiping God. I want to see that. I want to see a hunter in a tree bowed down praying to God and worshiping God. I want to see that. People don't do that. They maybe can, but they don't. They just use it as an excuse to not be committed to anything about God. It is important that we remember the landmarks of America. What are some of the things that are always on calendars, when you buy calendars? 
or something that attracts your attention, especially when you're driving, not in the big expressways, but in the old back roads, is the churches that you see everywhere. When you see a beautiful calendar, and it'll have a church with a beautiful steeple. Or if you're driving down an old country road, and you turn a corner, or you go over a hill, and there sitting on the top of that hill is a beautiful church. I remember one day I was going from here to Augusta back on one of the back roads and I saw a beautiful church and I pulled over. And I just sat there in the parking lot and I thanked God for all the saints that were now in the cemetery. Who had prayed and been a part of that community and blessed our world. And some told me just to go and check the door and I didn't. The door was open. I thought, Lord, that's rare, but thank you. And as I opened the door, I could just feel the presence of God that had been there for years and years and years. But if you've ever seen one of those little boards up there that had the attendance and all of that, and the scripture and the hymn for the day, it said six people had been there Sunday. And then I cried. And I wept. That here was a church that probably had been there for over a hundred years. And on Sunday morning, there was only six people that thought enough about God to be committed to be there. When Alex D. Turkeville visited America in, 17, or in 1831, he said, I sought to find what made great the, the Americas great. And I, I found that it was maybe looking for it in its harbors or rivers or fertile fields or forests, or businesses, but I could not find its greatness there. I sought the greatness of America in its mines, its commerce, its public school systems, its institutions of learning, but I did not find its greatness there. I sought to find its greatness in its Congress, or its Constitution. It was not there. Not until I went into the churches and heard the fervor and flame of righteousness of God declared, did I understand that its power and greatness was in its goodness and in its God. If America ever ceased to be good, it would cease to be great. I don't know about you, but if I read the newspapers, I don't see where thousands upon thousands of people are fighting to get into any other country. I don't see where people are just, you know, getting on boats and just setting off into the wild blue to get to Cuba. <laughs> In fact, I've been invited to Haiti and I don't want to go. <laughs> There's nothing out there. Somebody said, America, I, 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 it's a, just, I got all these problems. I said, well, when are you leaving? When are you leaving? If you think that something else is better, when are you going? If America has nothing to offer you, maybe you should look somewhere else. September 11th, 2001. America lost something. We lost something that <clears throat> can never be replaced. But one of the things we must remember in that even though we've lost something is that we cannot remove those boundaries that our fathers have set. If we do, we cease to be America. 
We cease to be the, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And one of those things that we cannot remove is in God we trust. America is slowly becoming a nation where we trust in everything but God. We trust in our 401Ks. We trust in our retirements. We trust in our insurance policies. We trust in our land. We trust in our jobs. Although a little bit less nowadays. <laughs> jobs are not as secure as they used to be. You know, my grandpa worked at the same place for 40 years. I mean, that's rare. You see somebody work at the same place for 40 years. But we need to recognize that no matter how prosperous we get, no matter how great this country is, no matter how blessed we are as individuals, it wasn't our own doing. It was God who did it. If God gives you something, if God blesses you with something, you need to acknowledge that it was Him that did it. Don't become puffed up and think, oh, now I've done something great. I don't remember his name, but there's a football player for uh, the Seattle Seahawks. And some people call him Alexander the Great. I don't remember his, his whole name. But he's just wrote a book. And he's wrote this book because he wants everybody to know that even though he plays football and even though he's a millionaire, that he is such because God made him that. That he's not a great football player and he doesn't have all this money because he is anything special. He is there because God put him there. In fact, one of the first things he did with his, with his money is he went back to the little town that he was born and raised in. And after buying his mother a brand new house and buying his mother a brand new car, he went and refurbished and rebuilt all the broken down schools in his town. And he said, you know, God had blessed me with good schools and good teachers. And so he gave checks to every teacher in the, in the community. Just gave them to them. And people said, you know, what is he doing this for? And he was even asked one time, why are you doing this? And he said, because I'm thankful for the people who made contributions in my life and I want to show them that thanksgiving. How many big stars do we know that are no longer big stars but what they did with their money was only to take care of themselves. Not to reach out and touch other people. Forgetting God is something that our children are doing. In the 1940s, when they asked the teachers what was the problem in school, they said it was talking out of turn, chewing gum, making noise, running in the halls. That's not the problem in school anymore, is it? <laughs> I mean, the problem is, did, did y'all notice that the schools have somewhat become like prisons now? We have to have metal detectors to get in them. <laughs> We have to have officers there. <clears throat> you have to have clear book bags. <laughs> huh? You know, that's what you have to do when you go to prison. All that same stuff. Our young people are coarse now. They're callous. They're cynical. They're not shocked or disgusted by anything anymore. They've seen too much. 
They're not outraged by anything unless it's done to them. We do not have a trust of God and a commitment to God that our past generations did. If we're going to bring back the in God will trust in the lives of our young people, we have to first start by teaching them <clears throat> to trust in God. That you're not going to have anything in this world. And you're not going to be blessed with anything until you give God what is due Him. Isn't it amazing that just a few months back, they actually tried to say, don't say, under God no more? Just don't say that anymore. Stop saying that. You know, when you remove God from everything, and when people are no longer understood to have to give an account to God someday, then you need not expect or be surprised with what you get from people who are no longer being taught that their lives are under God. But you're going to give an account one day for what you do and how you do it. In the uh, book of... Uh, Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter and the 7th verse. The Lord says these words, I will bring you into the land, a good land, where you will eat food without scarcity. And when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that He gave you. But beware, lest when you have eaten and are full and are satisfied, and have built homes, and have lived in them, and your silver and your gold have multiplied, and that all you have has multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the God who delivered you. We cannot forget the God who delivered us. He even birthed us in America. That's our first blessing. Of all the blessings we have, we were born in America. And so we not only have to teach people, but we have to live a life of trusting God every single day. I think about when I came here 20 years ago. When I came here 20 years ago, there were four old ladies here. I brought five children, five little children, me and my wife, came into the unknown, not knowing what to do. I walked into this church that first day, and back there on the bulletin board, there was a little note that these four ladies had written. I don't know who they were writing it to, but maybe just for each other. <laughs> but here's what it said. It said, pick a day. There's seven in the week. Pick one and bring some food by to the pastor. And you know the first month that we were here, every day of the week, somebody came by and gave us food. And there was only four little old ladies. But it renewed and it gave me a confidence in God that was able to bring me here. Somebody said, why did you want to come to Milledgeville? There is only one reason. God told me to. Everything we do should be because God told us to. And when you're unsure about something and you don't know how it's going to work out, just trust God. He'll take care of it. 
Terry just a few days ago. We all came to the place where we opened our eyes and saw how blessed we were that he came through that accident and he did not die in it. But this week his neighbor did die. How old was he, Terry? 36. Just going to pick up his check at work. Say goodbye to your family. Say goodbye to your loved ones. Just be back in a little while. See you a little later. He will never come home again. What can we say to his family? Trust in God. We don't know. We don't understand. But we trust in God. It's not just something that's on our money. It's something that should be in our heart. I don't know about you, but I'm not ashamed to be an American. I'm glad to be an American. I'm not ashamed of what our country has done because I know that the intentions were right. When your integrity is pure, all else is pure. Would you bow your head with me? Lord, help us to keep the ancient landmarks, to not remove any of them, to not let the enemy to remove them, and Lord, help us to not lose our faith and trust in You. Help us to continue to be committed to You, Lord. Help us to live lives of sacrifice, Lord. Help us to have a conscience in our business dealings, Lord. And help us, Lord Jesus, to continually reaffirm our faith in the Almighty God. We ask this in Jesus' name.